Hello and welcome to the Hope Story Circle put on by the Peace Alliance and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon. See, and she couldn't join us. Luckily, she'll join us in the future. But instead, Liz Gannon Graydon is going to tell a story herself. So we have a wonderful story that she's ready to tell, and I'm excited to, to have her speak to us today. Hi, Liz. You have to come off mute. Um, I'm your last minute surprise guest today. That's with a, right. With a story I've been working on. I'm looking forward to it. But before we get started, we're going to have Yelena bring us in with a meditation. So Yelena, can you begin? Thank you, Terry. Welcome. Yeah, so for today, I, I just want to... Um, invite you into a practice of giving and receiving compassion. So just find a way that to be in your body in a way that feels most comfortable at this moment. And you're welcome to close your eyes or just gaze down. And yeah, and if you like putting your hand um, on your heart or another suiting place, body, as a reminder, not to just bring awareness, but loving awareness to your experience, yourself. Just taking few deep breaths, noticing how your breath nourishes your body as you inhale, suits your body as you exhale. Just finding a natural rhythm of your breath. Allowing it to caress. Body at this moment. Just inviting you to, for a moment, just bring your attention to your in-breath. Just letting you savor the sensations of breathing in. Noticing how in-breath nourishes your body. As you breathe in, breathe in something good for yourself. Whatever you need. Be warm, kindness, peace, 
Just feel it. Invite a word or an image. So you breathe that in. Now shifting your loving awareness to your out breath. Feeling your breathe, your body just breathing out. Perhaps so softening and ease with each exhalation. But more of sinking into your body. Calling in someone you love, someone that has compassion, your care, your wisdom. Just begin directing your out breath to this person, offering the of breathing out. You can intentionally send warmth or love, kindness, this person with each out breath. Now letting that person just fizzle and just focus on the sensations of breathing in and out compassion. In for me, out for you. One for me, one for you. Can bring more goodness to yourself if you need it at this moment, or to the other person. So you invite this practice in your life can be an equal flow, whatever feels right in the moment. Just gentle movement, moving up in and out, one for me, one for you. Feeling the interdependence and a flow. An ocean of compassion and wisdom flowing between you two. Noticing body. Inviting one more breath as we come back in. 
together. Let's practice. You're welcome to stretch, invite and and come back together. Thank you for your practice. Welcome, Liz. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, yeah, I, I am going to be telling you a story that I'm telling for the first time publicly with all the pieces. So I'm, I'm putting it together now. Uh, but it's part of what I've been pondering for the last two years. And some of you have heard some of this. When COVID started, and we were starting this circle two years ago, I decided that I wanted to just do something for myself to help me find my place in this story that was unfolding. And I, uh, I have two sons, my son, Josh and Jake, they're 22 and 20. They're both filmmakers and actors, and they're both really good planners. They really plan, they, they have always set everything out. And they have two parents who are not so much with the planning. And I think sometimes it frustrates them. And I woke up uh, not long after COVID started and I said, Josh, I've come up with a really good plan. And he said, mom, you have a plan? I said, I do, I have a plan. And he said, let's go walking. I wanna hear your plan. And I said, I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to walk five miles. And with each mile, I'm going to say, I am love, I am love, I am love, I am love, and I'm gonna see what shows up. And he said, mom, that is so not a plan. And I said, that's a great plan. And that's gonna be the plan that I'm working with for now. And so um, we started these circles. And then, uh, you know, that happened in about March. And in the end of June, I was given, many of you know, I was given a diagnosis of breast cancer that had spread to the lymphs. And as I said, okay, well, this is what has shown up. And I had really beautiful doctors and really wise friends. And as I started to kind of contemplate what was showing up, I started to think about the idea that, that for a woman, right, there's nothing more personal than her breast, but that the, the lymph is systemic. And I started to think about what's the work that I want to intentionally engage at doing the healing at both the personal level and the systemic. And what I came to in the last year, very particularly, was Jane Fonda, uh, who's one of my great role models, wrote a memoir and I read it, I don't know when it came out, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little longer. And she had a beautiful metaphor that she wove for her life. And she said, because she was an actor, she always thought about her life as being lived in three acts. And she said, if you figure you might live to be your, if you might live to your nineties, she said, up until your thirties, you're just, you're in your first act, you're just introducing characters. She said, from your thirties to your sixties, you start to see where the story might be going. But she said, it isn't until you hit your 60s that you go, ah, I see where this story is headed. And next week I turn 59 and I have one year before I hit that magical third act that I've been keeping in my mind for a couple of decades, right? And so I started to think 
how am I going to intentionally decide to engage where I'm going to go in that third act? And many of you may have heard, I started to think a couple of months ago, there's a, a, a Jim Carrey film called Yes Man. And what he decides to do is he decides to say yes to everything that is offered to him, right? And he just says, yes, whatever comes up, he says, yes. And I thought, I'm gonna do some version of that, but I'm gonna say yes to what feels right in my soul, right? I'm gonna, whatever comes my way, I'm going to say yes to what feels right in my soul. And uh, back in right around March or April, a friend of mine reached out and she told me, Liz, uh, she works with all the programming for Girl Scouts here on Long Island where I live. And she said, we got a really beautiful grant from the local energy company to create a program for called uh, Diversity Through Storytelling. And she said, and we would love, we picture a long-term project, but we would love for you to do the opening project. And I said, well, I know you only want me to engage the storytelling part, but as me, I'm not getting up by myself and doing a workshop called Diversity and Story, you know, through storytelling. Uh, but my son, um, uh, you, uh, some of you know my husband, he's Jamaican. My son is what he is, right? He doesn't particularly define himself. But I said, I would love to do it with my son together. Then we have diversity of gender. We have diversity of generations. We and so my son and I are working together to create this diversity through storytelling program. And while I was meeting that, I got an interesting call. All of my sons work in the film business. And last year they worked on a project with a woman. One, one did camera work, one edited. And I had never met her, I knew nothing about her. But a few months back, she Facebook friended me. And back in April, she sent me a private Facebook message. And she said, Liz, I have something to talk to you about. She said, uh, can you give me a phone number and a time we can talk? And I said, okay. Yes, I will say yes. I said, here's the time I can talk. And the first thing she said to me was, I know we've never spoken and I don't know if you're an actress, but I wrote this film. And every time I thought about casting the lead, I kept picturing your face. Uh, and I wonder if you would be willing to read for it. And I said, well, here's the good news for you. I am not an actress, but if you send it to me, I will read it, I will work at it, I will work really hard to get where you need me to be. But if you don't see in me what you want for the character, I will walk away without even a little bit of bad feeling because I haven't even thought about being an actress until three minutes ago. So she said, okay. Um, and so she sent me the script and it was very lovely. And for those of you who know me or those of you who've been on calls before, I'll just tell you a little bit about the character. It's a short film. And the character spends each day sitting in a cemetery and it's this particular day. And what has happened is she sits there because she's discovered she can hear the voices and stories and the connections of the people in the cemetery. And so people have started coming every day to sit and have me connect them with their loved ones. And the reason she comes every day is because it's where her husband was buried. And of all the voices and connections she can make, she can't connect with her husband. And that's her source of kind of pain and, and sorrow. And, the, and that's the spine of the story. 
And so I auditioned along with four other actors and I actually got the part. And I was both really excited and really scared. <laughs> but I lived with all these directors and um, actors. And so I sat down with both of my sons and my one son gave me some beautiful advice on, on doing the reading and how to play a scene. And I really liked that. Um, but I got really nervous because when I, I, I make my living doing public speaking and when I'm speaking as Liz Gannon Graydon, I feel very comfortable. But speaking the voice of this other character that was someone else's vision, I felt very nervous. And I, like I said, my, my 20 year old especially was sitting with me and he really is a talented actor. I know he's young and I know him, his mom, but he really is a very talented actor. And I got what I thought was an aha moment. And I said, oh wait, I don't have to be nervous on set because Liz Graydon isn't saying these roles. Liz Graydon doesn't have to listen to the director. Liz Graydon doesn't have to do these things. I said, the character has to do those things. The character has to know what the lines are. The character has to. And he said to me, mom, what do you mean? And I said, well, when you were playing this role, when you had to do all these things, you weren't doing those, your character Roger was doing that. And he said, mom, Roger wasn't even doing that. He was just getting through his day. And it gave me this like insight into acting that he had, right? Like he's, he's not acting, even the character's not acting. The so, so it's been this beautiful process. And one of the things that I decided to do was I knew I needed to unlock something creatively. So what I started to do, I had been collaging as part of my healing journey. I got a journal and I was collaging and trying to envision healing. And I said, I, I need to unlock something creative. And my husband's an artist and he had all the watercolors and watercolor paper. And I said, I'm just going to collage whatever comes up. And I sat down in the living room and I just put watercolor paper all over. And I went through, I think I single-handedly am keeping the magazine business uh, the magazine industry and business, right? And I bought a whole bunch of magazines and I ripped out pictures and I put them down and I started painting. And I found I was ripping out pictures uh, like People Magazine and all those things of women who inspired me. And I put them down and then I pictured watercolors and I was picking a different color of the shoppers, right? And so I, I had um, Tina Turner surrounded in green with love and Simone Biles in orange. I was just doing this crazy stuff. And my boys came home and they said, mom, you know, you're leaving all your art supplies all over the house and you're making a little bit of a mess, <laughs> um, which is kind of what I would say to them. But it's been this beautiful journey, right, of trying to unlock uh, who I need to be and what I want to say and what I want to awaken in this moment. And then I, um, one of the things that Josh and I started doing, he's my old. Seems Liz froze for a moment. Hopefully she'll be back in a minute. The wonders of technology. Are you back, Liz? We lost you for a minute or two. Are you back? Hello? There am you I are. Back? You're back now. Ah, I am? Lost, okay, I don't know the, I, I am back, okay. Um, I would say, I, I hope you heard the part. One of the things that I've studied for decades is the great teacher of myth, Joseph Campbell. And 
And he said that the, that the myths that society create contains the symbols that move humanity forward. And, um, and so as I'm engaging this character and thinking of the story I wanna tell for myself and for the Peace Alliance, right? We're, we're doing all this beautiful work with the Peace Alliance and uh, talking about projects we wanna do. I, I have entered very purposely with my sons, the Marvel universe. And some of you may know it and some may not, but I can give you a very quick shorthand idea. Netflix had four series of Marvel characters called the Defenders. And one of them is Daredevil and they work very locally, right? There's a character named Daredevil. He is blind, but he has other super senses. And he doesn't leave Hell's Kitchen. He works at the very local level and he only solves the problems that need to happen in Hell's Kitchen. And then there are the Avengers and they work at what I like to think of as right, the geopolitical sphere. There are terrorists, there are wars, there are things they need to get involved in. And then there's a character named uh, Dr. Strange who I've been very drawn to and he really works at the cosmic level. And so I have been thinking about those stories and especially as we talk about and constantly engage our work at the Peace Alliance, where do we need to be acting? How do we need to be acting? Where do we need to be acting locally? Where do we need to be acting globally? And, and, and what's all of our jobs in that? And I was sitting um, and, and I will just say what has becoming clearer to me is I feel drawn to act at that cosmic level, right? What is that level where we shift to love? Where is that level where we shift to kind of the larger forces that we want to engage? And if I'm trying to think, I'll know the date, you'll know it when I say it. And I've been watching Daredevil again with my son because he's talking about the very um, local level. And his character is Catholic and I was raised Catholic. And one of the things that I think elevates the series is, is as much as he runs around as this vigilante, he has very deep conversations with his priest who's his spiritual advisor, right? And I was watching the end of the first season when he sits and asks his, can, am I still here? Okay, can you still hear? Okay. And he asks his priest the nature of evil. What does he think about the nature of evil? And as I finished that episode, my, um, my Facebook page started lighting up with stories of the shooting in Buffalo. And I really got shaken. And I said, I'm sitting here thinking about what's the nature of evil and what do I believe about that? And I have a beautiful woman in my life who was my roommate undergrad at Fordham. And I lived with her when we graduated for a few years till she got married. Um, and she also left the church because she felt drawn to ministry and she couldn't do that in the Catholic church. So she's been a minister for a very long time. So as I'm watching the events in Buffalo unfold, I said, um, I texted her and I said, this may be an easy question for you or a difficult question but what do you believe about the nature of good and evil? And she said, well, Liz, let's not text that. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> um, and we spoke for three hours and it was the Friday between Buffalo and Uvalde that we had this very deep conversation, right? 
And she gave me beautiful advice. She gave me very good spiritual advice, but very good practical advice, right? She said, if you're going to engage at these levels, you have to think of those things that keep you grounded, right? Who are the people in your life grounded? What are the things, you know, those, she called them Oh, she froze again at such a good moment, too. Oh, Liz, come back, come back. <laughs> oh, now we lost her completely. Maybe she just restarted. Maybe she's just restarting. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry about this. We had no problems earlier. So go ahead. Okay. You can hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, so what I came to, so when I was talking to my beautiful friend, as I was re reaching out to my son, who was the actor, and my roommate, who was the minister, she said to me, Liz, what I see you doing in this moment is seeking out people who know you and know something else, which I thought was very interesting, right? And, um, and I was thinking about that. And the latest part of the conversation where I wanna leave you into the inquiry was just this week, I was called to reach out to my first cousin and we're only a year apart and we have like people used to confuse us, even though we're first cousins, we look very twin like and we have this twin energy. And she's um, she runs a lab down in Vanderbilt University and she does she's world renowned in the field of diabetes. And she has taught at Oxford and she's invited everywhere to speak. And I had just seen that on Facebook, she had been attending the conference at um, at, in New Orleans for American Diabetes Association. I said, oh, it's so good back to see you back doing in-person presentations. And she said, oh, no, no, I wasn't pre presenting. And that kind of surprised me. And she said, no, one of my students was presenting. She works with PhD students. And she said to me, Liz, she said, I'm at a point in my career, and she's around the same age as I am, where I've really reached the top of my field. She said, I, I've had the grants I've had, I've done the things I've done. And she said, what my job now that I see is for me to make opportunities for the people coming up, right? What can I do to elevate my students, elevate the people in my life? Um, and I thought that's what I wanna engage in the next year. I want, to purposely think about how do I move from where I have been to how I can be a wise elder? What is my role in the next year to engage myself as a wise elder in the community and what I can bring? And when Terry and Yelena and I were talking last night, we talked about that intergenerational connection, right? That I wanna both elevate the people younger, but I wanna to learn to them, learn from them and have this interplay of lifting and being lifted. And so as I move in the next year, that's where I'm going to focus on. That idea of what do I need to do in the next year 
to both lift and be lifted by the people around me and near me. And what do I need to learn? Oh dear, one last freeze. Ah, <laughs> oh. go ahead. Terry and guys, I'm so sorry. Um, but where I wanna leave you as we move into the rooms in case I get kicked off again, is as I've been having these conversations, what I wanna leave you with as we move into the uh, rooms is as I've been having these conversations with people older than me and my peers and the people younger than me, I wanna actively think about how I'm moving into that third act as I shift into the role of wise elder. You know, how do I make that shift into the role of wise elder? And, and Yelena said something so beautiful last night in our prep conversation that comes from the education world, right? Which is about shifting from being a sage on the stage to a guide on the side, right? And I loved that imagery, right? And, and so what I'm going to be planning, particularly in this next year, as I move into that third act, is what is my role in being both a guide and a mentor and a student and a mentee, right? And I love that interplay of intergenerational learning together, intergenerational connection, multi-directional connection. And how do we set that? And I, I was using the word network, but to me it's more a root system. How do we connect and create that root system at different levels for creating the vision of, of where we wanna be? So I know because of my connection, some of that was disjointed, but I hope you can hear some of the threads. Um, but like I said, the main idea is intentionally, as I move into this third act, what is my role as I move into the role of, of elder who wants to create a world for those around and, and coming up behind me? That's so my that, So that's, a, I love your story, Liz. <laughs> that's your that's your path what you're doing what is the inquiry you want people to think about in the rooms yeah Yelena did you have one or did you want me to offer you want me <laughs> I guess what my inquiry would be uh I've been thinking about that role particularly in the last 24 hours you know when when I of a certain age uh want to do more to protect especially the young women coming up behind me and so I guess what I'd offer you as an inquiry is where in your story, right, do you see your role? Um, and how do you want to use that role you see? What kind of sphere do you want to work in? And what kind of scale do you want to work in to have an impact with your life in this moment? Okay, wonderful. All right, I'm going to pause the recording. We'll go into breakout rooms and then we'll come back after people visit. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's good to see your faces. Who would like to share what's bubbling up right now? You feel free to unmute yourself and share. Well, we ended up with the word garden in our, our group. And <laughs> y'all know your Anna B as, as being a uh, a gardener and water steward and um, uh, 
SK once wanted to know how we could engage and um, serve as the mycorrhizae in the soil, Liz Gannon, <laughs> and, and, and grow the roots of, of peace in school gardens. And I would strongly recommend that if you haven't read Doug Tallamy, T-A-L-L-A-M-Y, Doug Tallamy, he has a movement now where you can have pieces of your backyard, of your nearby parks, all become part of the network, the mycorrhizal ne network of the national park system. Oh, wow. So we, can wow. Have, we can have baby parks, baby national parks, and they can, there you go, Heske, they can be connected to and through schools that have the peace poles and that, that may already do some sort of gardening with children because we know the benefits of vitamin N, <laughs> nature. And so um, Doug Tallamy has a, a new book on oak trees and wow. trees and water are my thing. And we're learning more about how trees, the mother trees, the great sequoias out west, Terry, where wonderful you are with my granddaughters mm -hmm. in California. Um, the sequoia mothers and grandmothers talk through the soil, through the roots mm -hmm. to the babies who are getting stressed and need water. And through the mycorrhizal network, they can communicate and they bring down from their tops where they can get the condensation, mm -hmm. bring it down and pass, pass along to keep the young alive. So mm -hmm. those, those metaphors and those very tangible, practical things are what I would like to share. Check into Doug Tallamy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's exciting. Thank you so much. Welcome. Who else would like to share? Feel free to unmute yourself. share something. Uh, so I um, feel like I've been my own sage on the stage, right? Not necessarily for other people, but for myself and, and wanting to grow myself. I've definitely been a guide on the side, you know, for, for most of my life, but, but uh, never a sage on the stage. And that's okay with me. That's just not how I was made up, right? So, so it's very interesting. I love that saying, first of all, Yelena, and it was just very interesting to think of, think about those two roles that that you know we play in life. So, it was a great discussion. Mm. Thank you, Kathy. Who else would like to share? I have time for one more. I noticed what came up for me um, is just how um, interwoven all of these areas are in my life. And, um, you know, I spoke to the group about this, about how the spiritual practice that I developed um, that really sort of solidified itself during COVID um, is 
a way of, uh, you know, getting the cosmic, you know, work of meditating and sending love into the world and, and really kind of having the spiritual heart centered work. Um, but that also it is what's grounding, you know, it's what is seeding me um, and informing how I move through the world when I'm doing, um, when I'm using my voice on a more national level, um, and particularly when I'm doing local work. I was talking to the group about how I'm in leadership roles and how that impacts uh, the work that I do. And, and really, um, you know, without this spiritual guidance that I have and that I listen to, um, it would really impact me on both of those levels. But I think most significantly on my local level, because it really is the one-on-one -on -one interchanges that I have either when I'm with my crew or when I'm with friends um, or when I'm with individuals that just view me as a mentor, if I'm out of alignment with that heart-centered work, I just am, you know, the way that I show up is completely impacted versus when I am in alignment and I don't feel the need to fix, right? It's, it's interesting, right? It's healing through trust, right? Mm -hmm. Not healing through trying to fix, Mm -hmm. Um, and that just by trusting the work of healing, being heart centered in your healing. And that means just listen, sometimes it's just listening, right. And knowing that that in and of itself can be transformative, um, and how powerful that is on such a local level. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, so it was just sort of interesting to marinate in that this morning. And I really appreciated Liz's story for bringing all that up for me. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, Yana put in the chat that the saying from Sage on the stage and the guide on the side came from La Sarmiento, a beautiful meditation teacher. For those listening to the podcast who can't see the chat. I'm also putting in the chat a few links. The, the Hope Story Circles are brought to you by the Peace Alliance. Our website is peacealliance.org. And Peace Alliance, our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. There's also a link there about the Hope Story Circles and our podcasts um, and about our Blueprint for Peace, which is a great initiative to let your elected officials know that you support policy related to violence reduction and peace building. We also have a link about our HR 1111, the Department of Peacebuilding Act to create a cabinet level Department of Peace we also have the donation link on the website. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. We're in a campaign during the year 2022 to raise $20,000 and to have 22 more monthly donors. So if you're interested in being a monthly donor, even a small monthly amount gives us sustainable income that we greatly appreciate. Also a calendar of events. You can see when the next Hope Story Circle is and also our national monthly calls are Department of Peace Building calls, our empathy circles, there's all the things that we're doing that we're promoting are all on our calendar of events from the website. So I invite you to look at the calendar there. So having said that, Liz, thank you so much for being our pitch hitter guest today. Do you want to say anything to bring us all in for a close? Yeah, yeah, I'm so grateful. And I'm going to go to what Anna B spoke about. Uh, because there's something sitting right next to me, Anna. Um, just this past week, a friend of mine who is a dean 
did I, am I still here? Yes. Okay. Uh, who's a dean at Stony Brook and she teaches human rights in social work. And she had a summer school class and the class was called Models for Change, Trailblazers, Change Makers, and Good Troublemakers. And on the last day of class, she asked some people she knew who have spent their life doing peace or change making work. And she asked if I would speak to them. And there was a gentleman there in his seventies who's done civil rights work. And there was myself. And then there was a woman in her thirties who is in local office in Port Jefferson. And her whole thing is environmental protection here on Long Island. And then a woman in her twenties who is a black woman who's working on medical racism, that's her field. So we had this lovely connection and the woman running for office um, has her information where to vote, how to vote, but it's on a packet of seeds that are uh, butterfly seeds, right? And so <laughs> um, my, my beautiful niece who lives upstairs for me bought me a beautiful plant for um, Mother's Day and I've been keeping it alive and I don't think of myself as a plant person, but we said, I said, we got these and we're gonna plant these together. And she and um, her friend live upstairs with my sister and this morning, my, uh, she said to me, because she doesn't know plants so well, Anna, you're going to love this. Uh, they sell at, they both work at Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's is apparently selling banana trees. And she said, she said, Aunt Liz, Kalia brought a banana tree home because it looked like it was dying and could use some care. So we should plant the banana tree. I said, we can't plant a banana tree in New York. I said, but we can grow it and we can keep it in the house and we can figure out what to do with it. And, and it's a dwarf banana. But I said, and in the next couple of years, one of us is going to have to find a warm weather uh, home. <laughs> um, but I love what that was. And so this has become the thing my niece and I are doing. We're figuring out what to plant and when. And I love that you brought that so literally here, right? That conversation about how can we connect together to grow this, to plant the seeds. And that I have been very intentionally engaged in planting seeds and seeing what I can grow with my niece. So I'm so grateful, Anna, for that. So I invite you in the next couple of weeks before we see to think about what seeds are we planting, both literal or figurative. And I am definitely looking up Doug Tallamy. Um, and I hope you all, uh, you know, here we have a holiday weekend coming up next week. So I hope you all have a beautiful couple of weeks and I look forward to see what seeds we plant together. Thank you, Thank everybody. Thank you so much. Feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye, everyone. Thank you for such a beautiful morning, Bye. everybody. It was so Thank good you. to see you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Always so good to see you. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.